Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of It's Not an Allegory. If you're just joining us, this is Pam and Aaron. I'm Aaron. I'm Pam. And we're going to talk about, oh, well, well, we like to talk about books and art and music and philosophy, but mostly Jesus. And coffee. And coffee. But Jesus first. Though we always talk about coffee first thing. That's true. But, but Jesus, Jesus is, is the priority. You know what? Jesus already was the one who got us out of bed this morning. So Yeah, that's true. Then the coffee. But yes. our planning went till 2 a.m. last night. We're, We're a not out of sure it. <laughs> how. Did you end up sleeping on the couch? No. Uh, I, oh, I kind of fell asleep and then I woke up. I was like, I should go to bed. Mm. So I went to bed. I left the couch at some point and you were out. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. But thanks for joining us, whoever you are and wherever you are at in this wild mm-hmm. journey called It's Not an Allegory podcast. Uh, Pam made the coffee this morning. I did, and we We are so excited. (laughs) I was gonna say, we have some exciting news. Erin, would you like to share it? Because you love this so much. We got a sponsor. (laughs) We did. Um, so if anybody remembers the last few, or the first few episodes, sorry, um, Erin made a lot of jokes whenever I... Talked about the coffee. She, I would always say, roasted by Travis Johnston, and she would say, and I would say, Metal not a sponsor. Yeah, uh, metal art coffee roasters. Sorry, yeah. and she would be like, not a sponsor yet. <laughs> well, he listened to our podcast, and much to our mortification. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. <laughs> that was terrifying. <laughs> um, and he let us know that he'd be interested in partnering with us, so he has graciously provided the coffee for us today. Um, so I'm Travis, if you're listening, thank you. We very much oh. appreciate the sponsorship. We were over the moon. We were. I immediately phoned. Fo- I was on my way home from school, mm-hmm. like, uh, and I phoned Pam. I was like, Pam, you're not going to believe this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just oh, she screenshotted it, everything, so that she could memorialize it. It was a good time. So, this morning, I made it in my, guess what? I made it in. Yeah. Chemex. Yes. <laughs> what a shock. That's my favorite way to make coffee. Some fancy pour over for yep. the non-coffee snobs. It's a yeah. very extra bougie way to make coffee, and I flip and love it because it's it makes for a smooth cup. It does make a good cup smooth of coffee. Cup. Yeah, don't pretend that I'm just being extra. I'm no, making good coffee good. while I do it. Good coffee. Um, so I don't know how to pronounce these words. Sorry, Travis. Um, but I'm gonna try my best. Okay, and, where's it from? Um, this is from. Brazil. Oh, well, that, you could pronounce that. I could. There's, like, several names before it, though, that I can't ah, pronounce. Okay, okay. okay. Um, it's the Corretto Minero roast. Um, so, and it was grown at 1,061 meters above sea level. That's the elevation. That is a fun fact. That's a fun fact about it. So, we're going to try it. Does it say tones or anything? Yes, um... Chocolate and caramel tones. So, if you're looking to buy coffee and you live in Pambrin, uh, <laughs> check out Meadowlark Coffee Roasters and talk Ooh. to Travis and get a really great deal on a cup of coffee. We did not look at his prices. Shoot, we were going to tell. Yep. I know I get my pound of coffee for $16, mm-hmm. and there are some that are varying, but that's roughly the range. It's normally you get a ha- 15 You get half a pound or a pound. Makes great coffee. I also love the, like, I've made the Kingbird on this podcast. That one's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is delicious. Wow. So what are your thoughts? What are the tones? Are you, I, mm. Can you concur that the chocolate and caramel tones are... Like the chocolate hits first, mm-hmm. that kind of warmness to it. Mm-hmm. Or like that... Mm, what's the word? Not, 
mm. bitter, but like no. chocolatey kind of. Yes. And then the caramel kind of follows mm. when you get it down your throat, and it's very smooth. Oh. That's like, ooh, that's a good journey. I don't even know, like, I just, I woke up later than I thought this morning, and obviously mm. we were in bed at two. Um... So part of me is really tempted to just sit and drink this coffee before we start the podcast, but we're not going to do that to you. That wouldn't really make for great listening. Now, I really wanted this podcast to be about cryptids. However, Erin informed me that she did not want this whole podcast to be about cryptids. Not because I don't want to talk about cryptids. I do love, like, Loch Ness Monster, (laughs) unicorns, dragons. Those are like some of my... So those are some of my favorite conversations ever. So if you want to know how to be friends with me, that's probably how. But I yeah. feel like we, we're a little more serious on this. I mean, yeah, we're joke, we joke it a lot, but, like, we usually want to preach the gospel, and I just didn't see how we were going to tie gospel to cryptids. No, Pam, you, no, don't give me that look. You can't stretch that. You really can't. I was like, okay, it could be a side conversation, or it could be a separate podcast where we just do, like, a quick 20-minute, like, hey, guys, this is a fun podcast, but... And we still could do that, but we're going to talk a little bit about cryptids just for fun. But what if Mothman needs the gospel too? Aaron hates my existence right now. Moving on. <laughs> so, okay. Just to humor you and indulge you a little bit and myself, I guess. Okay, what is your favorite cryptid and why do you think it might be real? Not why it's your favorite, but why do you think it might be real? Because that's more fun. Oh, man. Okay. I, like, shamelessly believe in quite a few cryptids. Like, not, I don't know, like, Mothman, little bit of a stretch. Just a little bit. But, you know, he could be out there. But, like, 100%, I believe in the Loch Ness Monster and Ogopogo. Oh, yeah. They're absolutely real. You can't tell me otherwise. Those lakes are so deep. There, There's probably entire worlds under there. I bet you that's where Aquaman lives, too. Like, Aquaman lives at Ranger Lake. You heard it here first, people? Yeah, that's it. Um, I say Ranger Lake, because Ranger Lake's in Saskatchewan. I've been there. I've gone fishing there. And there's, like, some of, like, they've sent divers down who refuse to speak about what they've seen. They saw fish bigger than men. Fish that came and just bumped into them. Like, some intense stuff. So it's like, you don't know that Nessie isn't down there. Exactly. Not Nessie, but, like, Ogopogo or something like that. You have no clue. Okay, if dinosaurs went extinct in the flood... If they did that. If they did, but we have we a whole dinosaur theory, yeah, that's another yeah, episode. Yeah, that's another episode. But let's say they did. You know what the fun thing about a flood is? Water dinosaurs could live through a flood. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't tell me that. That is a fun thing about <laughs> water dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm so serious right now. I know you no. are. And I agree. The Ogopogo could have lived through that. Also, Nessie... 100% could have lived through that. And it's so big that there's probably two of them. I'm not saying we have science for this, but just like, okay, what is a more boring existence to not believe or believe in Nessie? We'll let you figure that out. Like, honestly. listeners. Like, really? What's the harm in believing It in doesn't Nessie? affect my theology in If any someone can explain to me why Leviathan is not a sea monster... For sure, like 100% in the Hebrew, which I know the Hebrew is obscure, so don't even <laughs> talk to me about that. I've talked to the Hebrew geeks about this. <laughs> it's like, you can tell me, without a doubt, that ne- that that the Leviathan mentioned in scripture is not a sea monster, then I guess I'll believe that, but it does not affect my theology. It doesn't. To it... take the Leviathan and be like, you know what? Some kind of sea monster. 
big crocodile. That's boring. Yeah, exactly. My greatest fear in life is to be boring. It's true. Like, we're too extra for that. Like, we can believe in giant crocodiles, which actually I do believe in giant crocodiles at one point. But why can't I also, like, why can't I also believe in sea monsters and the Leviathan? And, like, 100% dragons existed at one point. That was a good segue because that's my favorite cryptid. My favorite favorite is is dragons because they're the ones most likely, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's my thing. And here, this is science. Mm -hmm. How on earth is that every culture, ancient or otherwise, has this concept of a dragon? True. Everyone. Like, ancient native cultures have Mm -hmm. this idea of, like, this fire-breathing serpent of some sort, or, or, or reptile. Like, ancient eastern cultures, like, like China, those were secluded cultures for a very long time. They were not open to the world. They're still so, secluded. They're still cl- secluded because in the last hundred years, we've actually, mm-hmm. like, they've actually been opened up to us. 100, 200 years, roughly. Mm-hmm. South so, America? Like, how on earth did this kind of information travel? Like, how do you spread a legend? You mm-hmm. don't. Legends exist mm-hmm. from something that may or may not have happened. But dragons... Why does everyone have this concept of a dragon? Or at least a fire-breathing reptile. Have you seen Komodo dragons? They yes. are suspicious. 100%. They are real suspicious. And I guess, like, poison, that could be interpreted Burns. like an ancient language. Like, you just don't have the word. Like, fire-breathing might mean poisonous, you know? Just in terms of metaphors and, and similes and things like that. Language, etymology, it's so tricky. But I think that's boring to think it's just poison. <laughs> so, I... Wholeheartedly, not quite wholeheartedly, I like 95% believe that dragons existed at some point. Absolutely. Same time as the Nephilim. Yeah, why not? Why not? Fire-breathing reptiles. Would Nephilim be cryptids? Uh, 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 Yes? No? I don't know. The King James mentions a unicorn. I know, I was gonna say, therefore, since it's in the King James, which is inspired... And it's the National Animal of Scotland... Which, I'm Scottish, and so thus, I kind of have to believe in, in unicorns. It's kind of my, my, my duty to my country. Not my exactly. country, I'm Canadian. Also, like... as a Baptist, I believe that since the KJV <laughs> <laughs> says that the unicorns KJV. exist, they must exist. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not That's like brilliant. that at all. No, that was hilarious, though. Yeah. Um, would Nephilim be cryptids? I don't know. It depends on what you actually think the Nephilim are. My dad preached on the Nephilim, and I can be... preached on the Nephilim? He did. That is I, inter- That is bold. I Yeah, he, it's because he's preaching through Genesis, and okay. you can't... It's so obscure, like... It's, skip it. It's so, like, hard to interpret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he... He had adventures. I didn't even listen to it, because I left the week that the second he year preached Hebrew it. Cla- uh, the second year Hebrew class just talked about Nephilim. Nephilim. So, we should go and investigate. So we could investigate, or you guys can come talk to yeah. us when you hear if this. If any of you guys are in the Hebrew class, or know any ancient Hebrew, and would like to enlighten us on why Nephilim cannot be classified as cryptids, I'm basically, it's literally in my mind. It, we will get sidetracked, and we'll end up talking about just general cryptids, but so be warned. Yes. But you know, yeah, if you're going to come talk to us, you know that the, that very well could be the result of any conversation. I've talked about cryptids with everybody this week. Honestly? It's a fun conversation. And also, okay, really quick. Aliens, yes or no? I really want to say yes. I 
I actually do. My Star Wars nerd self, my Star Trek nerd self, my superhero nerd self, my... Have you just, read Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis? I have not. Okay, I highly can. recommend Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. Brilliant allegory. I, I want to. Oh, good. So bad. I want to believe It gives such good exist. reason why aliens could exist. Because so many Christians say aliens can't exist because how would they hear the gospel? Because they'd mm-hmm. be affected by the fall. Read the Space Trilogy and you'll understand how. Okay, well, I'm going to go it's read the General Space Revelation, Trilogy. And that's a different podcast. We're gonna yes. Have. I'll read the Space Probably Trilogy and tell you. But at mm. this moment, I cannot say that they exist mostly mm. because it a significant part of the origin of alien stories comes from evolutionary mindsets mm, that's and true. That's the true. idea that if we can evolve here other people or other species and races and creatures can evolve into sentient life mm-hmm. forms on other planets mm-hmm. so like while i want to believe in aliens i also believe in a six-day creation where we are made in the image of god exactly and i don't believe that klingons would be considered made in the image of god unless god you know god could but that just doesn't line up in my world yeah yeah i don't actually like believe believe in aliens but there's always something in the back of my mind like i can't know for sure i can't i can't know for sure and i i do a lot of alien theories do come like also from um like demon oppression. Yeah, demon oppression. And, and demon encounters and people and, and, and they lie to you, right? Yeah. And like I mean we have this whole cults that are based off of this idea. And lots of drugs. Like Scientology is yeah. whack. Yeah. And it, they believe that aliens set off a bomb that created the world like four I billion listen years to ago, you. whatever it is. I don't know. It, it's so weird I can't even say it without like questioning everything in my life. I listen to a metal band oh. that actually, like, straight up, all their songs are about aliens coming and conquering the world. Oh, that and is so pagan. It was, like, it, we thought it was just, like, a theme in their music, but then, we, like, me and a friend listened to an interview by them, and, like, they actually straight up believe that aliens are waiting to come and conquer Earth. And Do they actually, is that just their, their stage thing? No, like, like actually... Like, birds aren't real, like, believes... Please, birds aren't real. I mean, but, I guess you can't know for sure. I'm pretty sure flat earthers also don't really believe they're this flat. They're just trolling people. Oh, you need to have a conversation with George Budd about this. I don't want to have a conversation about this. But I believe... theories. It's brilliant. I, no doubt. I highly but, recommend like, it. like, no, this guy, from what I could tell, like, actually genuinely believed that. Okay. It was whack. With that, we shall move on. Yeah. 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 Oh, I have so many things I could say about aliens. See, I told you we could have had a conversation Shoot. about yeah, this. Yeah, but we don't want to. We don't want to be insane, and you guys probably already think we're insane. So, I mean, I don't actually have a defense against that. No. No. But we're gonna talk about now that we've talked about like gospel, kind of, and yeah. well, we mentioned the gospel once. That's why Mothman could. Be real. Maybe Mothman needs the gospel. He needs the gospel. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk more about the gospel. But specifically, Doctrines of Grace. Which is my favorite thing to talk about. It's actually the reason I started, like I suggested this podcast to Aaron at 1 a.m. on a school night. Oh, that was so stupid. It was pretty stupid. We'll tell I was story. in bed. Yep. But you weren't after that because you got excited. I did get excited, but I, I, was, I was pretty mad at first. I was like, yep. you came into my room. And woke me up. I texted you first. I knew you were up. Um, But yeah, so grace is just something that's pretty um, 
pretty important to me to talk about. Um, part of that could be because I used to be a major aggressive cage stage Calvinist who just loved telling everybody that they were completely depraved, which I wasn't wrong, but I didn't really understand the concept of grace enough mm. in my early formational years of being a Christian. So now mm. that I have a little bit of a better grasp on grace, it's my favorite thing to talk about mm-hmm. all the time. I, uh, it's calligraphy. It, I've written in calligraphy on pretty much all my homework. Like, I actually just love the thought of grace. So, mm. to start it off, I'm going to ask you a very vague question. Um, I don't know if you wrote this one down, but we're going to, like, carry on after this and break this down a little bit. Why do you specifically get excited about grace? so vague. I know. I know you did not tell me that that was your question. I know. I'm a bit of a jerk, but oh. we ha- were scatterbrained last night. Why do I why do I love grace? Why, yeah, why do you love grace? Why do you get excited about it? What like specifically do you when you hear grace, you're just like, "Wow, this is what comes to my mind." Okay. Oh boy. That is such a loaded question, Pam. I could just tell my life story and that would be what I say. Um, Facts. why do I love grace? Okay, I'm going to give something, it's kind of specific, but I, I hope that you can understand that, like, it plays out through my entire life, but this is a very specific part, like, just, um, little background on me is I grew up in a super wonderful Christian home. I'm the youngest of four siblings. All my siblings know Jesus. Both my parents know Jesus. They did their very best. They weren't always perfect at it, obviously. They were not perfect. But they did their very best to raise me in the ways that I should go. When I was five, I became a Christian. I was baptized when I was 11. I was a youth leader. Or like kids, kids. I started in kids ministry when I was 12. Became a youth leader when I was 16. <laughs> like, I have been so blessed beyond my imagination mm-hmm. that, and I took it for granted, 100%. Mm-hmm. I did not realize what, what, grace was in my life because I was like oh, I've never done anything that bad so Jesus hasn't redeemed me from anything that bad mm-hmm. that was my mentality I didn't think that I'd been saved from much and then I went on missions uh I did a YWAM and anyone who's like oh mm-hmm. YWAM turn off the podcast right now if you hate YWAM no I I have my qualms with YWAM that could be a whole nother conversation um but I did a YWAM I went to Germany uh, for three months and then I lived in the Middle East for three months And I got some life experience from that, uh, being away from my parents, having to, like, kind of figure out why I believed what I believed. Um, Had to debate theology with people that I disagreed with. Not had to debate. I did debate with people that I disagreed with. And I really saw the brokenness and the lostness of the world in, Mm -hmm. I guess that's the the best summary statement. I could go so deep into some Mm -hmm. of the things that uh, helped me realize and I realized that just the, the wonderful home I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I, like, I was very homesick and I was very excited to go home. And when I thought about it, I was like, it's because, like, that was God's grace in my life to be raised in a home like that where it was kind of, it, it was sheltered, I want to say. Mm-hmm. It sheltered from the evils of the world. But it wasn't sheltered that when I went and saw the evils of the world, I wasn't surprised. Like, and I knew that they needed Jesus, and I was like, wow, like, what a blessing it was to live in a home like that. 
So that's like, that's part of it. It's part of why I love grace is like, God can, God is so good. And he shows his goodness in infinite ways. Mm-hmm. And then as an artist, I, this is, I guess, the second half of it. It's like, I guess I wrote it in a song. I said, like, what great, what grace to witness uh, twilight's coming. Because anytime I see the sunset and the stars start to come out, I just am overwhelmed by the fact that not only do I have eyes to see it, and not everyone does, but God put those stars in the sky for mm-hmm. no other purpose than to give him glory. And I can look at the stars in the sky and give him glory through that. Mm-hmm. The fact that I can even give him any glory is grace beyond mm-hmm. measure. That Just that facet alone. Mm-hmm. And, then the, and then you add on that, that he gave me, gave me ability to paint mm-hmm. and to draw and express myself in art. And I don't know where I would be without that because I, I just am I'm blown away by the fact that I can even pick up a brush, mm-hmm. pour out some paint, and put to canvas something that reflects the glory of God. Like, just me? Little mm-hmm. me? Like, mm-hmm. that should not exist. In, in a materialist world where, where there's no point to anything, in like, in any other worldview, mm-hmm. even, that isn't Christian, mm-hmm. that would be utterly pointless. Mm-hmm. And I have so much purpose in just that. Just mm-hmm. that facet of my life. And there's so many others. Mm-hmm. Blown away. Yeah. Utterly incomprehensible. <laughs> All right, Pam. I knew you wouldn't struggle with that question. Oh, I know. Right? It took me a minute to get going, but you got me going. Mm-hmm. So, Pam, mm-hmm. why do you love the doctrines of grace? Oh, man. Um, for me, it's... Unfortunately, I guess, depending on how you view this statement, um, a very much based on my experience mm-hmm. uh, view, postmodern pan Oh, you experiential theologian. I know, I totally... <laughs> yeah. It's not I'm that I'm experiential, kidding. it's just my experiences pointed me to Christ. Mm. So, um, yeah. this I haven't been a Christian for very long. Um, two years now, which is such a blessing. Um, You've grown and... a lot in years. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, even that, like, looking at where I was before I became a Christian, the fact that I became a Christian is pure grace in my mind because I was running in the opposite direction. I did not want anything to do with Christianity. I did not want to be a part of this. I did not want God in my life. I did not want any involvement with faith as a whole, really, I just was done. And I did whatever I could. I believed in God, and I just didn't care what he wanted for my life. And I lived according. Mm. And was basically like, oh, you say I can't do this in the Bible? Watch me. And that's oh, just the fueled mind- by spite. Oh, I, was, I have never not been fueled by spite. And the fact that God saw that, and then... The fact that he still saved me Mm. in his infinite wisdom and in my absolute depravity. There's, there it is. There's There's the the word. word. (laughs) I've written in my notes. I was like, there's no way we're not bringing up depravity. Yeah, I'm too Calvinist for that. You are too Calvinist. But like, the fact that he saved me in the midst of that depravity is such a grace Mm. that I can't comprehend. 
And the more I think about it, the more in awe I am. The fact that I'm alive right now is actually a shock to me. Mm-hmm. The fact that I am in a healthy relationship is a shock to me. The mm-hmm. fact that I have two loving parents that I am in a good relationship with is amazing. The fact that I'm surrounded by godly friends who actually want me to grow, unbelievable. The fact that I'm in a space where I not only can learn, but can love God more every day, that's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. The mm-hmm. fact, that, and then, yeah, just common grace. The fact that I woke up this morning is impressive. I woke up six times this morning. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I would say that's it's not a, a good thing. It's probably not, but I woke up. Not good for your yeah. sleep. Yeah, well, but not much is good for my sleep. So, <laughs> good old insomnia. Like, the fact that, like, I have so many, like, mental problems, my chemicals are a little bit of a mess in my head. The a fact, little bit is an understatement. A little bit's a bit of an understatement, but the fact that I have medication for that, the fact that I have counseling for that, mm-hmm. the fact that I God has healed me of some of that. Oh, 100% he has. That's amazing. Yeah. That's something that I didn't think was possible when I was 11 years Even old. That, you have a weighted blanket that helps yeah. you sleep. I remember the first time you used a weighted blanket, and the next day, I saw you, and it was like a new personality. And I was like, what happened to Pam? Like, she's actually, you got overwhelmed with what you, what you noticed because you had actually had enough sleep that you started noticing your surroundings. I found out who was still in our class, like, in October. Yeah, like, you had no clue what was going on. Yeah. Most of the time. And I was like, what, what is this kid? Like, I, mm, that was, that blew my mind. It was insane. And that's, like, I just see everything as grace, honestly. Mm, mm -hmm. Even looking back, I spent a lot of time thinking about my past. And in a way, I think a lot of the experiences God have give, God has given me is grace in and of itself. Mm. Because he brought me through it, even though I insisted that I was bringing myself through it. Mm. I wasn't. I was not at all bringing myself through it. Mm. But he brought me through it, and that's grace. The experience I have has pointed me to new ministry ideas, which is grace. It's given me a heart for a whole different category of lost people Mm -hmm. that I don't think I would have cared about before. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just so, so much just grace. And I guess we should really divine grace. Yeah, we should. For that, I have a Tozer quote. Of course you do. A.W. Tozer. I was wondering when you didn't tell me what the quote was. You I just didn't. kind of slammed your book shut and was like, quote. I did. This is from The Knowledge of the Holy, which I realized when I had said what my other favorite mm-hmm. author is, I mixed it up and I said um, Pursuit of Holiness or something like mm-hmm. that, which is not by Tozer. No, that's by that's, um, uh, Jerry Bridges. It is. Or something. I said something along those mm-hmm. lines. I meant to say The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. I'm so sorry for anyone mm-hmm. who's like, Erin, that's not by Tozer. You imbecile. Is that even your favorite book? It's the morning, and I've only had one cup of coffee. So, have some grace. <laughs> what is grace? What is grace? Perfect. Okay. This is how he starts off his chapter on, believe it or not, the grace of God. Uh, in God, mercy and grace are one. But as they reach us, they are seen as two, related but not identical. 
As mercy is God's goodness confronting human misery and guilt, so grace is his goodness directed towards human debt and demerit. It is by his grace that God imputes merit where none previously existed and declares no debt to be where one had been before. That. So if you're going to sum it up in like six words. Six, six words? Yeah. Six words? I don't know. Use your I definition. can use less unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. And we do not merit any. No, ever. we do not. Ever, 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 ever do we merit any favor. <laughs> and yet we are shown unmerited favor. It's true. And in incredible measure. Yeah. Measure beyond our our belief. I was just talking to a friend of mine about this. Okay, it was George. Whatever. Yeah. I was talking to George about this. We ranted. It was awesome. We were reading from, like, a Puritan book. <laughs> John Owens. Mm. So good. Classic. He's a great Puritan. Great, great author. And we were kind of just... We were just kind of reflecting on the immeasurableness of God and how what we have seen of God, even in the person of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, is but a glimpse. <clears throat> it's but a camera shutter and we got a photograph in the space of time. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely immeasurable. And I was I was thinking, like, okay, there's a verse, and I don't know where it is, I didn't look it up. <clears throat> and it kind of, poet, it's a poetry book, mm. but, like, the, the fingerprints of God mm-hmm. in creation, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's all of creation. Think about it is is basically comparable to just his fingerprints. Like I put my fingerprints on my phone, and it's it's nothing. That is not a reflection of who mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. No one would know everything about me based on my fingerprint. It's just an identification. And the whole of the universe have his fingerprints on it. Fingerprints of God in creation. And he is outside of that. And we know who he is based off of that. And we know that he is there based off of that. But the ex- extensiveness of him mm-hmm. is so beyond anything I could ever, ever, ever hope to imagine. Mm-hmm. Anything I could imagine to imagine. And my imagination's imagination. It is beyond that. Like, yeah. ridiculous and unfathomable. And yet he gave us a glimpse of himself. Like, he did. Like, I'm it's speechless. Like, I can't express. Yeah. I think grace to me, I, I talk about grace a lot. You certainly do. And I n- can never find the words to discuss how amazing it is. Like, as we were coming here, I was kind of singing Amazing Grace in my head. Mm-hmm. And amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me or a worm like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, and now I see. Mm-hmm. First off, if you think about the context of that song, it's written by a man who did awful things. Awful, awful things in his life. He was a slave trader. He was. Oh, he was he was so entrenched in evil. Mm-hmm. He was someone that, if we looked at him now, we would say he's a disgusting man. People would be tearing John down statues. They would be tearing down statues yep. of him. They would be destroying any mark of him. It, anything that has his name on it would be burned. 
I mean, he went blind later in his life. He did. And I just... John Newton, by the way. John Newton, yes. Um, the, uh, the composer, writer of the mm. song Amazing Grace. Um, and I just... Mm. That knowledge of how he experienced a level of depravity that even I don't fully understand... Which is saying a lot. Which is, yeah. I was a pre safe Pam was not, not no, good. Pre Jesus Pam had a lot of issues. <laughs> We're glad that she has been crucified oh. with Christ and is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Amen. That's Galatians 2.20. Look it up. My life verse, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm just, I was like thinking about that verse, or that song, and the power of the gospel. Like, even the line, I'm... I was blind, but now I see. Hmm. How insane is that? Like, I feel like we don't understand the depth of that that line. Now, blindness, you're utterly hopeless. You can't, you can't see. You know how much of our world depends on sight? Most of our world depends on sight. Hmm. And... Desperately need help. Desperately need assistance. And, you know, we have modern advancements that help. But the fact that God sees us in that blindness and then suddenly is just like sight, Mm. grace. That transformation is mind-blowing. Can Mm. you imagine being completely blind and then suddenly... Receiving sight. Mm. Can you imagine the amount of emotion that you would feel when you see the color red? Like, that's a powerful color. It is a and powerful color. Can you imagine someone, like, who's never seen before, seeing the color red? Seeing a sunset. That's what I associate when I think of grace. Mm. And it's a very powerful image to me because that's, like... And part of it is, you know, a very experiential part of it. I remember being that blind. And I remember falling to my knees in Mm. my bedroom, crying my eyes out as God revealed himself to me through the gospel. Mm. And that was such a level of grace that I cannot... I love words. Mm. I love words with all of my heart. They're my favorite thing aside from coffee and obviously Christ. Like, it goes Christ, coffee, words. And I cannot articulate with all of the words in the English dictionary what that moment meant to me as I went from being blind and to being justified and mm. to seeing. Like, what an amazing grace it truly is. Mm. And, mm. like, just the un- the knowledge of the gospel, the story of it, the fact that God made us in his image, the- a holy God put his hands in the dirt and molded a man. From the dust. From the dust. He breathed From life. literal dust, he made us in his image. And call us to be higher than the angels. Isn't that amazing that he was already showing that kind of grace before the fall? Yeah. Like, before there was the total depravity of man, mm-hmm. 
He breathed life into the he dust, did. and that was grace because that's who he is. And even in the fall, he could have blown the world up. It wouldn't have been an effort for him. He and it would have and just, he would have been perfectly justified. He would have. He would have. But instead he gave an alternative. He sacrificed a lamb. And he promised his perfect son. Hmm. He promised a substitute. And then that son willingly chose to come down to earth, leave glory. To come here. Which is like living in the sewers. Like, it's going to yeah. live in, in the trash heap. That's, it's, that's the closest comparison we can yeah. think of. It's like going from, from a palace to rags. He did that willingly. He, and he knew he was going to die an atrocious, humiliating, painful, disgusting death. Excruciating, even. And, oh, excruciating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good word. He knew that he was going to do that, and he was like, yeah, I'm mm. going to pay... The penalty for these people's sin. Mm. I'm going to justify them before God. Mm. That was something that took me so long to kind of appreciate. Because like, I kind of touched on it when mm -hmm. I was first answering your question. But, like, I did not realize the depth of my depravity oh. for a very long time. It took me, like, I thought I was a pretty good kid. I really did. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was actually put in a place of leadership that I was very much humbled. Uh, that was about grade 10. That's also when... Uh, me and a few friends started a Bible study in my school, mm -hmm. in my high school, and I, I just had to, I started seeing my own flaws. I started seeing, mm -hmm. like, I was an argumentative little jerk. I I was. I, I mean, I'm argumentative still, but I have a lot more grace. I do. <laughs> I'm far more gracious with people than I used to be. I used to take any opportunity I could to show how smart I was, mm -hmm. and then I realized how stupid I was. And being humbled before before God, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I, well, yeah, really, like, ultimately humbled before God and just like, oh, right, yeah, I'm really nothing, aren't mm -hmm. I? Like, And I he used... died for that. Yeah. And that was when I was like, oh, that's what grace is. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, I get it. It mm -hmm. wasn't, I was like 16, 17. Mm -hmm. I had been a Christian for like 11 years when I came to that mm -hmm. conclusion. Now I've been a Christian for about 17 years, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, every day it's like, oh, yeah, there's more. There was more grace. There, there was. was more. There was more grace. Like, every time I wake up, I'm like, ah, oh, there was more. It's just blows it's my mind. True. And, like, just the amount of grace even we're shown now. Like, we're fast forward, like, you know, Christ lived, died, and resurrected, conquering death. And then he gave us a choice to follow him. He chose, like, he elected people to himself, said that, like, he mm. is going to save people. We don't deserve that. Mm. I don't deserve to be in that category. I, like, Paul saying he's the chief of sinners, mm. that, that, that's a verse that I just sit there and like, yo, me too. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> that, I, that speaks to me, man. Like, and the fact that he gives gives that opportunity. But then, you know, two years into my relationship with God, let me tell you, sin is a parasite in my life that I am still fighting by God's grace. Wow, I say the word grace a lot. <laughs> um, like. That Christ is continually to shape me to hate sin like he does. 
which is grace in and of itself. But when I do sin, grace abounds. And while it, we are not to sin, that grace would abound more. By no means. By no means. <laughs> Good old Romans. But it does abound. Mm. Every time I fall, there is grace sufficient to cover it. Mm. I have total security in my faith. Oh, that blessed assurance. It's such a comfort mm. to know that I don't have to earn my salvation, because I couldn't, by no standard. There's nothing about me that can earn grace. I have tried. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And that is such a beautiful gospel story. Like, it's true good news. Mm. There is salvation for even me. For everyone listening to this, for you, for our profs, for the people that we despise the most, salvation is available. Mm-hmm. That was something I really had to wrestle with this past week. Uh, we wrote uh, an ethics paper, and me being uh, the idiot that I am, I decided to write on the topic of pornography and couldn't pick a light subject. No, of course no, not. No, of course not. We never do that. Why would I do that? And I regret it immensely. No, not really. I Well, mm. I'm so torn because I learned so much more about the depravity of man than I ever wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And then I had to wrestle with the question, do I want to pray for these people's salvation? Part of me, well, and what I did a lot was I was just like, you know what, Lord? I usually don't pray this that often, but... Can you just come back, like, right now? Now? Like, right now. Right this instant. I usually have such a hard time with that prayer because I want a family. I want to get married and have a family. I'm not in that stage of my life right now. And so there's this idea of a future that I mm-hmm. that I cling to at, on earth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I usually am like, you know, Lord, I, like, I do want you to return. I really do. I really want to be completed in glory. I know it'll be perfect, but, like, and, I, and I'm like, but, but Jesus, like, you've given me these desires, and I'm kind of torn about mm-hmm. it, and I'm, and I'm up front with God about that. And I'm wrestling with contentment. That's a whole nother story. But I prayed so hard. Just come back right now. I don't need a family. I don't need kids. I don't need any of that. Just return immediately, please. Because I don't want to live on this earth anymore with people like this. And I had to like, and then I had to stop and be like, Aaron, that was you. Yep. That's you. Like you are no better than them. I was like, shoot. And I wept. I wept so much this week. Mm -hmm. Not only for the... For the lost and broken who abuse others, but for those who are caught and entrapped by such abusers. It it was so painful to read the stories of people and and to think that this is an industry that that doesn't get smaller. Especially this year, a COVID year where everyone's stuck at home and has nothing better to do but to seek their own pleasures. And I just I was appalled and not with people who are stuck in pornography addictions. There's so much hope for you if that's you. Like, there's so much hope because Jesus can fill that and he can and He can change that and make it better. But I really, like, I, I had to think, like, right, I, I had just as much potential for evil. Like, mm-hmm. I had just as much capability of doing mm-hmm. all of those atrocious, atrocious things, unspeakable things that I could never say out loud. Yeah. And that's grace in my life that mm-hmm. I don't and that I, and that I, I hate it. I despise it. Mm-hmm. I despise that evil. And, 
and I was like, okay, yeah, Lord, like, oh, this is how you feel. Just like, this is a glimpse of how you feel about sin and about my sin. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm not deserving of any of the good gifts that you've given me. And yet here I stand despising evil and fleeing from it. And that is grace. Mm -hmm. That is so much grace. Amazing grace. Mm -hmm. How sweet. Okay, I'm going to read scripture because we need it. All right. It's a great passage. It's one mm. of my favorites. Ephesians 2, verses 4 to something. I'll probably read. 4 to 10. But, but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our trespasses, mm -hmm. made us alive with Christ. Mm -hmm. By grace, you have been saved. Mm -hmm. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amazing grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and there's definitely like a lot I have to think about with um, what I see in, in a generation of men my age. Young men early to mid twenties, um, who, who love theology and who study John Owens and other good Puritans and, and who read good theology books, but they haven't realized the grace that they have witnessed in their own life. And it, and it causes a callousness and, and, a, and a lack of love towards other people. And so, I don't know, I, I see, I see this movement and I've, it's, I've, seen it all too often, all too frequently, of this lack of full understanding of grace. Like, you might talk the total depravity, uh, what's the U Here's stand for? Grace. What's the U? Oh, um. Ah, shoot. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Unlimited something. Yeah. Come on, Pam, you're... Atonement? No, no that's limited atonement. Limited atonement. SEL. You're know. a Calvinist, you're supposed to know. I mean, I don't say I'm a Calvinist because I... I do not follow Paul or Apollos. I follow Christ. I only really say I'm a Calvinist to you just because it's funny. Yeah, but we shouldn't be following men. No. I think that's, like, something I've seen in women, too. Like, even in my own life. Like, yeah. I was very much cage stage Calvinist. What yes. do you mean you're not a Calvinist? Is that, does that... Are you even a Christian if you're not a Calvinist? Right. Like, and this this very harsh view of, of theology, mm -hmm. and it's very dangerous. It yeah. can go to some really bad places and I actually see like I've seen some really respected theologians that take I won't say who but like mm -hmm. that that kind of start to fall in this trap of like theology with no life mm -hmm. you know the, life as in life in Christ like mm -hmm. the, it just makes you more and more dead and it's mm -hmm. discouraging but the gospel should be discouraging in one sense but in the other hand it's absolutely full of encouragement you know like there's it's holding both of these things 100% right mm -hmm. of like Good theology, total depravity, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We are depraved and dead in our trespasses, mm -hmm. but made alive in Christ. Like, you got to get to that part. And I think a lot of that comes with life experience. 
So I would encourage any young theologian, don't write a book until you're like 35, 35 or older, please. <laughs> Wait till you've lived a bit yeah. before you write the book, mm-hmm. you know, like wrestle with grace. And what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. And like, how do you actually show grace? How do you live that out? Because if you have good theology, but you have no works, mm-hmm. you're just a clanging gong, just a noisy symbol that crashes. Like there's no love, mm-hmm. right? That's First Corinthians 13. Like that's the whole point of that chapter. I would say. Even in our own lives. Like, I think in a world where it's so easy to be argumentative, mm-hmm. it's so easy. I I love a good argument. That's why I'm friends with you. Um, but Let's argue about cryptids. Why not? Let's argue about time. cryptids. But, like, may our words always be seasoned with grace. And, and may our words be backed up by actions. Yeah. Right? That's... Yeah. that's who, who writes that? James. Mm-hmm. Faith without works. Yeah. Or... And, like, uh, that's, I think, where we can close. Just, like, I pray that as this, you listen to this podcast, I'm sorry it's a little scatterbrained. I blame the lack of coffee and the lack of sleep. And the fact that we're like, you know what, we can ramble on this one. Yeah. It's fine. We usually do plan out our podcast a lot more than this. Mm-hmm. But we're just, like, we're just going to rant about grace. Yeah. It'll be good. Absolutely. It's been great. It's been fun. Um, may you be encouraged by grace. And may grace abound in you Mm. as you go about the rest of your week. May you never become calloused to the idea of an amazing grace that God bestowed towards us. Mm. Amen. Amen. I don't really have any fun quotes or anything to end with, but I I lovingly asked you if uh, Mothman needed the gospel so i feel like that did it now i understand why you asked me the dumb questions yeah it's fun that's a good face good time anyway thank you for tuning in be blessed in the most chaotic way possible and enjoy your coffee